Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. Joining me in this first segment uh, from the DIG team, of which I'm a part of, is Meg Wingeter. Uh, Meg, welcome to the studio. Welcome to Political State. This is your first time here, right? It is. Thanks All for right. having me. I think you get a mug or something when you, oh. on your first appearance, so we'll have to make sure you get that. But uh, uh, Meg, we got you here in this first segment because I really want to talk to you about a story that you've already written. It was a week ago, last Sunday, in the paper, um, taking a look at the Oklahoma Health Department. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a lot of people are familiar with that there were some issues with some money management last year, $30 million went missing. Um, it's quite a big deal. And I think uh, your story last Sunday was complex, but was a, a great narrative of, of really what happened and, um, and the players that were involved. And this wasn't necessarily an issue of corruption, at least not yeah. that we've seen, um, but maybe just an issue of not paying attention to warning signs and mm-hmm. um, and just some bad money management. So real quick, give us a, a, a breakdown of, of, of what the situation was. Okay. Well, the um, the health department had been overspending for, for quite some time. We know it was at least back in 2016, possibly as far back as 2011. And as you said, there's no evidence that's been uncovered that anyone was lining their own pockets or using it on something frivolous like expensive travel. It Mm -hmm. seemed to all be going towards health programs, but the problem was they were spending more on those worthy programs than they had to spend. And this was able to happen because of the way their accounting system is set up. In theory, when you have certain, um, certain sources of funding like federal grants, there are very strict limits on what you can spend that mm-hmm. for. You're only supposed to to use it for permitted uses. But the way they held their money, it was all put together in basically one big bucket, one account. Mm-hmm. And so it was up to basically the employees to track very carefully, okay, do we have enough money for all of these different programs and we're not commingling anything in a way that we shouldn't. And that was was not happening. They uh, just were allowing that um, that spending to go on as long as there was money in the account. So inevitably, they ended up spending more than they should have. At one point, I believe it was in July, it got down to fifteen dollars yeah. in their main account, and they had a six hundred thousand dollar bill that they had to pay in short order, so. Yeah, yeah, running out of money really quick. And like you said, I mean, uh, the, the, the two things that were really fascinating to me about this story is one is there were some employees that pointed out some issues. I mm-hmm. mean, there were some employees that were in charge of different departments that had to pay, you know, pay bills or pay pay vendors mm-hmm. that were told that, hey, the money doesn't exist. And, and yeah. you do a really good job of outlining the story. The second thing that was really fascinating to me is technically the, the, the budget computer program is meant to kind of solve this problem in a way you're, you're not allowed to essentially uh, spend more than you have mm-hmm. on the computer that if you, you know, if you if it says you have so much money and you try to take some more than that out I don't I don't know if there's a, a buzzer that goes off or whatever it is but it makes it very clear and in your story some of the employees were basically doing um, off the book budget keeping mm-hmm. I mean this was the equivalent of just putting a tape over the check engine light I mean it was telling you there's a problem much, yeah. and just ignoring it right yeah, what the the system they have, they've got basically a two-sided system. There's this old 1970s mainframe that the health department has that they use for their bookkeeping. And that's an incredibly detailed system. It tells you right down to 
the specific account and the specific program, how much money do you have here? Do you have that money in your account? And also, do you have it included in your budget to be able to spend this? But that's not the system that cuts the checks. This, that system is at the Office of Man Management and Enterprise Services, and that's not so detailed. That's the one where they basically had it in a bucket and could would keep paying as long as there was money in the account without really checking should this money be used for this purpose. Mm -hmm. So yeah, with their their old mainframe system, it was telling them, you know, you can't record these costs because we show you don't have it in your budget to do that. And employees were just, yeah, basically recording in spreadsheets of that we spent this money and we should be paying it back, but then it just, they had just overspent to the point that the money wasn't paid back. And I also want to be clear, it's, it's not that this was rogue employees. There mm. were people at the top who were also ignoring yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, from the very top, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, as your story shows. Well, there's two reasons why I think this is a really relevant thing to talk about right now. One is because, you know, your story just came out, um, and this is still a pretty a fresh issue, and we'll talk a here in a moment about what it looks like going forward. Uh, the second thing here in the second half of the program, uh, the rest of the political state crew will be with me. We're going to be kind of talking about a, uh, a Republican gubernatorial uh candidate forum that the Oklahomans hosting on Monday, and one of the gr big talking points of, of conservative lawmakers is always cutting down on waste. Um, I mean, the, the standard theory is, you know, Democrats want to hike your taxes, and maybe it's, that's, it's a little more complex than that, and the Republicans want to find that waste. And a lot of times you hear that waste, and, and people will criticize and say, hey, where's the waste? What are you talking about? But right here, this has been one thing that a lot of lawmakers have pointed to, and some lawmakers held some hearings late last year, right? Tell us a little bit about that, and what, what were they, what kind of questions were they, did they have, and, and then what was the result of that? Well, mostly they were just trying to get their arms around how did this happen, because I mean, like most of us in the public, they're not finance professionals, and you look at it, and most of us, we look at it and say, okay, if we spend more than we have, we yeah. know our checkbook, our bank account's going to be empty at some point, so yeah. how, how did this happen? Um, they never issued a, a final report or anything from that. Um, it could come later, but uh, basically they were just trying to, to figure out what happened and if it could happen again, which unfortunately um, it appears that it, it could. Um, nobody's brought forth any evidence of other departments who mm -hmm. are in that situation now, but basically what they found was there weren't the checks necessary to, um, to make sure that something like this wasn't happening. There wasn't the level of oversight you'd need. Yeah. So. Well, I expect the uh, this health department story to be uh, brought up at least at the at the forum and by many candidates as once again as we as they many of them talk about kind of trying to cut down on government waste and this seems to be a prime example at least when you when thirty million dollars you overspend it seems like there's a problem so where where do things stand going forward what's what do you feel like is what are some things that you're watching for in terms of responses and and you know what's next for the health department I mean there's a round of layoffs recently as a mm -hmm. way to address this money mismanagement so what's next. Well, um, before I say, could I um, comment a little on your uh, mentioning of waste? Yeah, please. I mean, it's, I don't know that it's a textbook example of waste okay. because these were 
health-related programs. You could argue how much you should be spending on, mm -hmm. on different health programs, but it wasn't, you couldn't say that it was totally frivolous. It, it seemed Waste more not in its end result, per mm -hmm. se. Just not, waste maybe in not having a tighter leash on the money management, right? Is yeah, that what you're that the there wasn't a, uh, they didn't have people who were closely monitoring this is what we can afford and this is what we can't afford. Yeah, so. no, that, no, that's a great point. So moving forward, what, what's next for the department? Well, that's, it gets a little messy because as you know, they still haven't done the budget process for the next mm -hmm. fiscal year at the legislature really hasn't gotten very far yet. So they don't know what the legislature is going to give them to work with. The um, Under the new interim commissioner, uh, Tom Bates, they're still trying to track down exactly where all the money went and figure out, okay, these are our core services we have to provide how many people and how much money do we need to do this? And if we have any budget left over, what would we use that for? What else might we be able to afford to do? So it's kind of, they, they're in a very difficult place because they don't have a clear, this is how much we need. They don't know exactly how much they need to ask for. And they also don't know what the legislature is inclined to give them. So they can't really then reverse engineer of, okay, if you give us this much money, here's what we're going to be able to do with it. It's, yeah. uh, they've got some people who are really working hard on it. I don't want to uh, talk down the health department in any way, but they are in a tough spot right now. Yeah, definitely. And once again, the big question, what's the legislature going to do? They're trying to wrap up that budget process mm -hmm. here over the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and in many ways, I mean, the legislature kind of bailed them out last year with a, yes. you know, kind of an emergency and um, injection of cash to, to try to keep uh, keep things going. Uh, real quick, before, before we uh, we conclude this part, tell me, I mentioned there were there were layoffs mm -hmm. in the department, and partly in a response to that. What, what did those layoffs look like? Where did it hit, where did it hit the hardest? Well, most of it was in the county health departments. There were some from the central offices, but the vast majority of people that they employ are actually out in the counties. You know, nurses, health educators, people like like that, mm -hmm. and so unfortunately, they took the most of the layoffs, and you know that is translating into people may have to wait longer for certain services. They may have to drive further because, you know, a service is not available at every yeah. every location. It Some of that is still being worked out. Um, and it also raised some concerns for people, like um, the state epidemiologist mm -hmm. said about, she was concerned that you know, if there's an outbreak of a disease, they really rely on those public health nurses yeah. to do some of the outreach and uh, contacting people who might have been exposed to get their arms around the situation and also contain it. So it's, um, I don't think it's what anyone would have wanted, but with having to cut costs very quickly, they didn't have a lot of other options. Yeah, and uh, in fact, uh, you, you did some reporting on this a couple months ago on where the layoffs hit the hardest, mm -hmm. um, which uh, you can actually find on the, at newsok.com slash dig. It was actually our first uh, uh, dig project story that you did diving into exactly where those layoffs are happening. And, and once again, uh, your, your really great story from last Sunday is online as well on the health department. So, well, Meg, thanks so much for coming in, telling us a little bit about it. And uh, we know you're gonna continue to follow this as, as it continues to move forward.
Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Well, we're going to take a quick break here at Political State. When we come back, I'll be joined with the Political State crew. We're going to talk a little bit about that Monday candidate forum. Uh, the Republican candidates for governor are going to be coming together as we are uh, just a couple months away from the, or from the Republican primary, the primaries in general. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're watching and listening to Political State from the Oklahoma. Hello and welcome back to Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's video studios. Joining me is the Political State crew, Dale and Justin. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, thank you. We, it's Friday, we are a few days away from, uh, what are we calling this? The uh, Rumble in the Jungle or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what kind of clever marketing term we've come up with, but uh, GOP gubernatorial candidate forum that the Oklahoman is hosting. You don't like the name, Justin? <laughs> no. um, it's hosting on Monday. Uh, six of the candidates, probably the six top candidates, um, are, are going to be there answering uh, a variety of questions at the uh, theater at the Museum of Art. So looking forward to that. That'll be one of three forums that the Oklahoma is hosting. We'll also have one for the Democrats and I believe the Libertarians as well. Um, but first up is the Republicans, uh, an important nomination to try to get out of the primary. They're likely going to be the front runner, whoever that is, going into November in this uh, red state so far continues to be. Um, I'm just kind of curious, what are we, are, are we, these candidates have been crisscrossing the state already. Uh, they've talked to lots of outlets. Um, there's probably nothing that we're going to really learn. But what, I'm curious, what are some of the most important issues that you would like to hear the candidates speak to? Well, first and foremost, uh, state revenue and the budget. Uh, it's been the most important topic in the state for the last two or three years, uh, if, if not longer. And it will continue to be an important topic uh, even though Oklahoma's economy seems to be rebounding a bit and uh, the le legislature this year will have less of a worry about how to find revenue. Uh, there's still a lot of problems that um, particularly Republicans see in how Oklahoma collects and spends its own money. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, personally, I would like to see the Republican uh, uh, nominee for governor have a, uh, uh, an opinion on what Oklahoma should do about tax and, and uh, spending. Yeah, we're liable to hear the word waste. We kind of talked about that in the first mm -hmm. segment with Meg when you were talking about the, uh, her, her investigation into the health department. That's probably gonna even come up. That's an example of it. But do how specific do lawmakers need to be? I mean, how, I mean you always hear waste. We need to cut waste, but uh, how specific do you feel like they, they need to be? It depends on how specific the, uh, the questioner forces the, the well, question. That's gonna be me, yeah. so I, tell me <laughs> yeah. how specific I need to be, Dale. Um, and it's, it, I, you always hear about uh, complaints about waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, I have seen some lists out there of uh, people who have identified what they believe as waste, fraud, and abuse. Mm -hmm. uh, but for a candidate to come out and say that is is rare, right? Mm -hmm. For a candidate to come out and say, I want to eliminate this, I want to eliminate that, um, here's an example of waste, and this is how we're going to get rid of it, and uh, um, I think Maybe Gary Richardson is one of the one of the few who have has uh, actually said what they what they want to mm -hmm. do to eliminate state auditor, yeah, yeah. The state auditor and the turnpike and all this. Uh, but generally, you have candidates who uh, who just say the the magic words waste, fraud, and abuse, and and leave it at that. Yeah, no, you, I, sorry, yeah, I mistake. So Gary Richardson, you're saying is gets kind of targeted the turnpikes. Gary Jones, yep. the state auditor, mm -hmm. expect him to maybe have some examples as well. Yeah. That's, I, I do think, I mean, revenue is going to be a big one, and it always is. Um, I, was talking, I was talking for an upcoming story on Sunday, uh, taking a look back at the, at the teacher strike and some issues there. Um, starting with Dave Bond from OCPA, the, the conservative think tank here in Oklahoma. And he was telling me that he thought that the, that the, 
that the appetite from the public um, for more taxes is going to be even lower now, and the people are going to be even are going to scrutinize even more government spending after we've seen such a large tax increase passed. And I thought he made a, a kind of a good point because we saw that over 400 plus million. In, in new tax increases to fund a teacher pay raise and some education funding, which was a big lift for lawmakers. Even I think a lot of conservative Oklahomans thought, okay, maybe we need this, but now we've done it. So now we're going to scrutinize even more. I don't know that we've entered this new era of tax increases. We're, maybe we're, we'll see another one. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But we haven't entered this new progressive era where Oklahoma now is just a spend freely and raise taxes state. So I wonder if now that we've seen that, the response is going to be from candidates to say, hey, we, we passed this taxes. I may not have agreed with it, but we have to be even more uh, careful with our spending. You have to keep in mind, though, and I think uh, Democrats and liberals will, will raise this point, that uh, yes, we have more money going to schools, um, but you have to imagine over the last 10 years that the uh, sort of the, the per people average of money mm -hmm. spent on schools has decreased. Um, so relatively, schools have, for years, gotten less money, mm -hmm. and uh, and so the the moment you uh, you give them a little bit extra, uh, there's going to be this so much intense scrutiny on how they're spending it. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that's going to be the case, but certainly, among Republicans, uh, I, I imagine it will. Um, there, it, it'll it'll find uh, they'll, they'll find ways to nit nitpick, yeah. uh, and and uh, and and identify things that that maybe a school isn't doing right. Um, uh, or find ways to consolidate administration across the state, which is a goal, uh, a stated goal and uh, policy goal uh, from this government. Yeah, and I would expect some candidates to say, hey, look, now we did the tax increase thing. Now we need to go at the uh, cutting wasteful spending thing, and we need to do it even more so now that we, we increase those taxes. Justin, what are you kind of looking forward to the most? Dale's absolutely right. You have to start naming at some point what you're going to cut. If you want to cut fraud, waste, abuse, name it. <laughs> and yeah. I think the Oklahoman last Sunday gave somebody, a candidate, you know, whichever one wants to take it up, a pretty clear example of overspending. I, I think that's a better term for what happened at the health department. But yeah. that, that's a clear example there where, I mean, and I think we've seen Kevin Stitt on uh, Twitter take up that mantle as kind of, you know, something has to be done. We can't allow agencies to overspend like this. So I think you may see that Monday night. Um, I'm curious to see from the candidates which candidates they think are the front runners, and you'll see that because they'll start yeah. going after them. Yeah. I mean, as we get closer to this primary, they're going to start picking on whoever they think is the front runner to try to bring them down a little bit. I mean, there are two ways to beat a candidate, prop yourself up and bring somebody else down a little bit. They've all been propping themselves up, I and mean, mm -hmm. that's what you do with these things. At some point, they're going to start you know, knocking the, the ones that they think are up on, at the top. And, that's the best way sometimes to find out who is yeah. is winning is uh, you know and leading at this point not winning but uh, is to see who they start going after and we may start seeing criticisms of the lieutenant governor or of Mick Cornett. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we've seen a little bit of that. I mean, I think Lamb has been. If I have to think, I don't know that we've seen a lot of attacks on each other. Um, I could be wrong about that, but just in kind of the general press of the campaign so far, haven't seen too much of it. But what I have seen has been mainly directed at Lieutenant Governor Todd Lamb, which makes sense for a couple reasons. But one, I mean, he's the one, I mean, Gary Jones is the state auditor, so he's, a, he's an elected official as well. But, you know, Lamb is technically, you know, he's in the thick of it. I mean, he, he is yeah. an, an elected yeah. official. And I think one of the themes you're seeing out of this campaign so far, as you normally do, is 
it's going to take an outsider to fix our mess. And Lamb is not, he's not an outsider. He's tried to become an outsider. He's tried, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by not involving himself in the legislative debates, uh, by uh, removing himself from the governor's cabinet, um, uh, and generally uh, being as far as he can away from uh, all of this debate about tax increases and how to spend money. Um, and, and even the uh, the teacher uh, the teacher walkout. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't see him up there at the Capitol. Um, so he's he's. I, I think as far as uh, how to how to win a campaign, he's probably doing the right thing, like stay, staying away from that muddled mess that is the legislature right now, and instead of focusing on you know introducing yourself to people. But you know, d does that put him at a uh, at a disadvantage from when when he stands up there with the other Republican candidates and they say? Why weren't you doing anything, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and, and I, I kind of hope you asked that too. So where were you uh, as the uh, sort of the number two person in government? Where were you uh, as a leader in uh, trying to coax some sort of agreement out of Republicans and Democrats? Yeah, he's. I mean, you've seen him respond to that by, uh, I mean, he's been critical of, of Governor Fallon and the legislature. Mm. I don't know that he's thrown her under the bus, you know, aggressively, but I mean, he has tried, made it very clear that he would do things differently. Sure. You know, what the specifics are, though, of, of what doing differently means, you know, maybe there's some ambiguity there. I'm really curious to see what we see from uh, Mick Cornett, so the former mayor of Oklahoma City. Um, he was somebody that you saw a lot of people kind of talking about him as a candidate before you know he decided to run it's it seemed kind of natural that he may run I mean he's been a successful governor by a lot of metrics or mayor uh, of Oklahoma City by a lot of metrics um, but he hasn't really been um, he hasn't really shaped a clear uh, policy or, 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 or campaign platform I don't know, you think that's fair to say I mean in terms of He's not been someone that's really dived into the details yet so far. And, and that makes sense in some, some ways because part of his game right now is getting name recognition mm -hmm. out there, getting around the state. You don't usually start, uh, you know, there's actually a, you know, episode of West Wing where they're, try, where they're starting on the presidential campaign with, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but one of the guys, and he wants to talk about his education policy, and you're like, no, just shake hands. Like, it's just retail <laughs> politics right now. You don't want to yeah. get into it. And so that kind of feels where Mick Cornette has been at. Well. Th think about it this way: uh, you're you're standing uh, in an, in, an, in an election with uh, several other people who will probably have very similar policy goals mm -hmm. as you, um, and the goal of a primary, obviously, is to differentiate yourself among the other candidates in a positive way. Mm -hmm. uh, as you get into the general election, it's easier to say uh, this is how my plan is going to be different from this other person's plan. Mm -hmm. If it ends up being Mick Cornett versus Drew Edmondson, for mm -hmm. example, um, it's going to be a lot easier for Mick Cornett to say, uh, "Here, here, are the, here's my policy ideas," and uh, you know, Drew Edmondson's policy ideas are bad for these reasons; mine are good for these reasons. But when, when you have six or seven Republicans uh, all together on the same ballot, for the most part, their answers are going to be relatively the same. Yeah, but I, I feel like a lot of some people have looked at Cornett as expecting maybe a little bit of difference from him. And, and maybe the people that are looking at him for that are not Republican voters. I mean, yeah. you know, when I think about the people yeah. who, I mean, who I have, you've seen a lot of people who would be described as moderates, maybe left of center, who have really, you know, were enthusiastically su supporting Cornette when he decided to run. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe for a lot of, if you're, you know, if you're a Democrat in this state, 
you know, maybe Cornette is the Republican you feel like you can support for, for a few different reasons. Um, so, you know, but you're right, pleasing them, you know, that job doesn't come until you've won the primary yet. Mm -hmm. As we've talked about, that's, you know, there's a zig and a zag to, from January to November. Well, and, and politics is surprising. I wouldn't, you know, if I were a Democrat, I wouldn't get my hopes up about McCornette um, being my preferred candidate of choice because he's Republican. He's running in the Republican primary. Yeah. And he has, he has to maintain the... Uh, the uh, the loyalty of the people who put him into the nomination if he gets the nomination uh, he's not going to all of a sudden be uh, a big old lefty once no. if he gets the nomination um, you know I don't think he is but you know he's not, it's not going to be a, a dramatic shift in in his personal politics uh, just because uh, just because you're a Democrat and you, you like him better than the other Republicans yeah. and he's been and, you know I think I think it comes from not because you've seen him be a really progressive uh, politician in the yeah. past, but he's been a, a moderate, and I think he would say that's what a mayor is. This yeah. is not a, technically the mayor of Oklahoma City, that's a nonpartisan position. So you're not a Republican, you're not a Democrat, you know, and, and maybe he can use that in the general election to say, hey, I'm running as a Republican, but, you know, I come from, you know, City Hall where it's just about getting things done. It's not about, you know, R versus D. Uh, and I think sometimes the national media kind of paints him as, you know, coming from a city that has you know, aggressively use sales tax increases to kind of reinvent himself. That kind of sounds like a really progressive thing. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not sure that it is. I think it's actually kind of a pretty conservative way of raising taxes because it's a, you know, this is a pay for things as you go type of system when you look at maps. I mean, everything we've built with it has been paid for with cash, um, you know, instead of taking out bonds and, and, and large amounts of debt. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of interested to see what kind of, uh, you know, how Cornette presents himself. Did, did you see the video? There was a video that was circulating of him. Actually, we shot it. Uh, Chris Castile shot it at a forum where he was talking about the teacher walkout. This was pre the walkout, and he was and he said that he didn't think that it was the the wisest decision to walk out. He wasn't. I don't know that he said he was against the tax increase package, but you know maybe kind of insinuated that he was against it. And that's pretty much in line with many of the Republican candidates. Um, but he got really beat up for. At the end of the video, some the whole I think it was like a 10-minute video, and, at the, and it was all about the teacher walkout. And the last one, somebody asked him what he thought about gun violence and what the answer to gun violence is, and he said, uh, he said that's a tough one, and I'm not sure I've got a great answer for that, or I don't know that I've got a brilliant idea about that. And it really and it got played as he was answering the walkout. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it was a mischaracterization of what he was saying. But I also think it kind of spoke to how people see him a little bit. Like, all right, I, we want some substance. We want some. We want some answers yeah. because he's been an answers kind of guy in the past. He's been intentionally vague so far in the campaign, and, and that's played pretty well, I think. But at, at some point, yeah, you, he'll have to lay out <clears throat> the differences between himself and the other Republicans. And if the, if we get close to the primary and people get the sense that he is leading, you will get criticisms of his record as not being conservative enough. And I think you'll have other Republicans trying to paint that picture that he is a moderate or even left of center, which is not accurate, but it will, I think it will come up in the primary quite a bit. Yeah, and like I said, that vagueness is probably by design. You're, sure, you're, so you're, far you're, it's been pretty yeah. a pretty good idea, but as you get closer, actually it would play well for him in a general election, I think. So I think his history plays well in a general election yeah. and uh, his background. So if he can get there, I think he's uh, pretty well set, but it, he has to get past the Republican primary first where he is going to take challenges uh, and accusations that he's not conservative enough. Yeah. We talked about Lamb and Cornette. I think they kind of feel like instead, probably feel like the top, you know, the, the leaders of the pack. Anybody outside that group, do you feel like still has a, a fighting chance that can really make some noise? I, I was kind of surprised. I mean, we're talking about uh, Gary Jones, Gary Richardson, Dan Fisher. 
Um, I was kind of surprised we didn't see more of them at the walkout. I, I wasn't surprised that we didn't see Stitt, Cornette, or, or Lamb much. But I, was, I, I thought surely maybe one of these you know, second-tier candidates would kind of use this as an opportunity. Now, I mean, they probably wouldn't be well-received by teachers, but in terms of at least talking about the issue more than yeah. we saw to try to play up to Republican primary voters. Uh, but, so your question is, uh, uh, are we going to see uh, uh, any influence, great influence from these other candidates besides the yeah sort anybody of the still have a chance if you like to it's hard to say um, we know that Gary Richardson has the money to make an influence in the election uh, even past the uh, the the primary um, if if he decides to keep spending money if he like if he doesn't win the mm -hmm. primary and he decides to keep spending money um, he can certainly make an influence then. Um, uh, somebody like Gary Jones um, has, is is well connected in the party, and and still has a lot of fans. People yeah, are still pretty two statewide election. Grateful yep. for the work that he did. I think there's going to be some Republican voters like you know what I mean. I'm going to vote for him if for no other reason than to you know he he was good for Republicans in this state. Yeah, and and you might, you might find a lot of people on election day uh, sit down and say you know I, I uh, you know I. I Todd, Todd Lamb is the front runner, and you know he'd probably be a good governor. But you know, in my heart, I I agree with someone like Gary Jones mm -hmm. or someone like Dan Fisher. And do do people throw their vote behind who they you know who, who they're closest to politically, or who they think could uh, could beat a Democrat in the general election, or who they think is the most popular? Um, I don't know how it'll all turn out. I don't know the the, the science behind. Yeah. What a person does in, in the voting booth, but um, you know these these candidates all have their dedicated core group of voters. And Fisher, the a, yeah. a religious, uh, you know, anti-abortion. Anti yeah. I mean, they're all anti-abortion. Fisher's yeah. really anti-abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, it probably just comes comes down to that. I, uh, I I can't wait to find out. Yeah. I'm well, that's going to be excited. Yeah. New Monday. <laughs> Um, if you can't join us in person, and I think we may be already filled up, I should have known that before we came on, but you can watch live. We'll yes. be streaming it live on Facebook and newsok.com. The forum kicks off at 6.30 on Monday. Uh, still taking uh, ideas for questions. We've got for the, the bulk of it put together. Going to have any gotcha questions. Any gotcha questions? I don't yeah. practice gotcha journalism. That's not my style. <laughs> but you have been helpful in the things that you want to see me press on. I will, I will try to do my best. I will. There are some specific... There are some questions where I, I think it's good, where we'll, we'll be clear, like, hey, you're going to have a minute to talk or 90 seconds to talk, but we need a yes or a no on this. Like, yeah. like whether, you know, I think it's important to know where they stood on, some of them have already answered, you know, on the uh, tax increase that we saw. Where do they stand on that? Where do they stand on capital gains? How would they vote yes or no on this on these issues? And even and it's going to be easy for some of them to say, it's in the past now. I wouldn't have to worry about it. But this is... You know, this is the lens that we're looking at the political landscape. Or would you sign the bill or veto the would bill for the bill? considering yeah. their the yeah. position they're running for? You? And I think we've seen some that have said no. We've seen some that said yes. We've seen some that said I probably would sign it, even though I don't agree with it. And uh, you know, and I think that says a lot about you know, you know, what kind of governor would they be during you know what's kind of been a crisis right now um, for uh, for the state. Hmm. Well, much quieter week, huh? This week at the Capitol for you. It's been a lot quieter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, you know, obviously, still a lot of teachers up there. Um, uh, the uh, the gallery uh, still got a lot of people in it, and uh, when the uh, when the house adjourned for lunch, everyone went to the little cafe right next to the press room. There was a line still out the door. So it kind of felt like a little a little bit reminiscent yes. of the past two weeks with <laughs> yeah. crowds. Right yeah, yeah, you got to kind of you got to got to kind of wind down after something like that. Yeah, no, it's uh, a, a lot quieter, and um, 
you know, we may, may be out of there in, in a couple of weeks. May 4th is the stated goal. Uh, who knows if we're actually going to get out by that time. But uh, that's when a lot of the legislature wants to, uh, is hopefully going to wrap up their work, including passing a, a budget for this next year and a tax cut or a tax increase, actually. The second tax increase in the last uh, almost 30 years, and it's going to happen just a few weeks after the last one. Well, maybe this is a tax and spend legislature now. Yeah, huh? it is. Yeah, maybe, yeah. They're, maybe they're really up for this shit. So many tax increases. Come on, guys. Yeah, it's uh, now it's, it's about to be a, a streak with yeah. two, um, or one more on top of that. Um, so you, 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 how likely is the legislature ends early? Because they always say they want to end early, but yeah. it does seem like there may be a little bit more um, intentionality behind that. I'd say maybe a 30% chance they get done by, by May the 4th. Um, you, you've got a lot of wildfires up in uh, western Oklahoma. Uh, maybe that's going to get taken care of, but you know there, there may be uh, some emergency money. Like they, they, they don't have any money in the rainy day fund that they can spend on that, um, so they, they, they may have to, uh, to move some money around and figure out that maybe in the last 1% mm -hmm. that uh, the governor and everybody else was talking about that they're still trying to figure out. Uh, that last one percent of the budget uh, before they present it to the legislature, um, but you, there there are a myriad of issues that can come up, a myriad of, of uh, special interests that could push for more things to get done before the end of session. But I think if we get a budget uh, on the floor or in, out of, in committee and out of committee this next week, the the chances for um, a May Fourth adjournment goes up dramatically. Um, because uh, I, I think uh, I wrote a story about this. Um, uh, I think it's going to be in Sunday's edition of the Oklahoman that uh, there's fatigue at the, at the legislature. People are ready to go home. Some people are so ready to go home that they haven't run for re-election. Yeah. And um, I think a point can be made that once you get the budget done, which is the only, really the only constitutionally uh, mandated thing that the legislature has to do each year, once you get that done, you just go home. Yeah. Or at least down to one session now, though. We are in the <laughs> regular session. Yes. We're, we're out of the specials. The, uh, what I, I always pronounce it, sign die. I think I've, there are some different pronunciations of the Latin there. Is Sine that, die is, I go. think, the appropriate <laughs> Latin pronunciation. Okay, all right. Uh, every, everybody it everybody calls it sine die. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I always have a new Latin definition for what sine die means. <laughs> each time we have one. I've noticed. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Maybe on May 4th we'll have the latest Latin translation for Sine Die. So prestigious. Yeah. For a non-prestigious. Never mind. Um, <laughs> you talk about a lot of these people are tired. I think they are. They're tired. Except a lot of them aren't running for, for re-election. Kind of what we've been hearing on the national front. I mean, it's happening in Oklahoma. A lot of, a lot of lawmakers, particularly Republicans, are like, you know what? I'm not sure this is where I want to spend my time. That's an effect of the uh, walkout. We didn't talk as much until... Mm -hmm. Dale wrote a Sunday story. I mean, that is, we talked about uh, a lot of challengers getting in the races because of the education issue. We didn't talk as much about the burnout uh, that that can cause from legislators, or in legislators, uh, not only the walkout, but the special sessions. And yeah. All those issues. That, that, that could have led to that. I, I didn't really think about that issue as much as, until Dale just noted that. It's, it's been pretty much nonstop for uh, like 14, 15, 16 months now. Yeah. Uh, and it's not only has it been nonstop the legislative sessions, but it's been primarily about uh, a couple of issues: uh, raising taxes and figuring out uh, the budget shortfall. Yeah. Which the budget shortfall has been an issue for three or four years now. So, uh, it's I think it's partially understandable if if a 
if a young person, particularly uh, someone my age or younger who's in the legislature, they got a family, you add on top of that the, the fact that they, uh, the Legislative Compensation Review Board lowered their salary. Mm -hmm. um, um, and you take a look at you know, your life and, and say, uh, this is really frustrating, I don't know what I'm doing here, and uh, I disagree with almost everything that you know, the legislature's <laughs> done. Uh, including, you know, that person's own votes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so why not, you know, hit the road? Yeah, and we've seen different types of candidates say that they, are, they that did not refile, um, but we saw we've seen some kind of young, kind of moderate Republicans. You know, I think it's and that were maybe on the track for leadership at some point or some leadership positions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I'd call it moderate, but but well, more, I mean, uh, not moderate, but maybe more less on the ma social, more and, main, yeah. Yeah, business focused. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of someone like Josh Cockroft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who uh, has led the the special investigation committee? Um, he uh, kind of surprised me that he was put in charge of that, but then it kind of made sense as time went on because uh, of kind of how he composed himself mm -hmm. during during that entire uh, ordeal of several investigations into um, uh, waste, fraud, and abuse in the yeah. state of Oklahoma. Um, and uh, and these uh, started with the sexual harassment mm -hmm. allegations of one of his fellow members, um, and so he decided that uh, it was time to go. You know, he, he had an opportunity uh, back home uh, around the, uh, the the Tecumseh area, I mm -hmm. think, is where he's from. Um, and uh, you know, he's got a couple of young kids. He's uh, twenty twenty eight or twenty nine years old, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and he could stay in the legislature another four years, but he decided that. It was time for him to go, um, and you've also got uh, the Republican Caucus Chair Elise Hall, mm -hmm. who owns a business yeah. uh, here in the Oklahoma City metro area, and decided uh, that she's gone. She, she's uh, she's leaving. She's still in her twenties. Yeah. Uh, Katie Hinkey, uh, uh, she just had a, a kid. Mm -hmm. um, she lives in Tulsa, and uh, she uh, uh, was lamenting to me that uh, she doesn't get to see her child very often. Her brand new child mm -hmm. uh, that uh, because she's stuck up here uh, at the legislature uh, I think the kids three no, no, it's not brand new but um, a very young child um, and so uh, it's partially understandable that you know if th there there are people who, who weather that kind of thing in normal legislative years uh, because they you know they may feel like they're making a difference or doing good um, but when you add on top of that the frustration that everyone's felt with the special sessions and the shortfalls and the persistent walkout uh, pressure, um, it I think it really builds on people, and it's understandable if they want to leave. Yeah, well, definitely a, a tough year for the legislature. Although I bet there'll be a lot of people out there that aren't feeling too sorry <laughs> for, <laughs> for them as well. But uh, but it will make it does make the elections in in November and well June and then November. Uh, maybe even a little bit more intriguing to, to see how that shapes out. Some of the power of the incumbency is going to be leaving some of these still Republican seats. Um, it was mostly Republicans that chose not to, to run again. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, how that shaped out. Yeah, zero Democrats have, uh, have, all. have resigned. Yeah. All. Uh, the, the Democrats who are leaving office early um, are running for some other office. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and the worst part about it, Ben, is that I'm going to have to remember all these new names and all these new faces. 
when I come back to Well, to we will feel sorry for you. Yeah. Um, but we'll get you a cheat sheet or something like that yeah. with, their, with their names and photos, whoever that ends up being. So. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State. You can join us each and every week. You can also join us once again on Monday, uh, GOP Gubernatorial Candidate Forum, 6.30. We're going to be streaming it live on Facebook and at NewsOK.com, uh, getting a look at some of the candidates uh, for the Republican primary, uh, asking them a variety of questions on some of the most important issues facing the state. Well, it's Justin and Dale. I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for watching and listening this week. We'll see you again next week for another edition of Political State.